So in just a moment, Jason's going to come and he's going to share with us again. Some of you were here this morning, some of you weren't. Um, and some of you have noticed that occasionally we have technical difficulties, and I never know how that's going to work when the words just show up and sometimes they don't. And um, so that's just one of the realities of technology. But um, one of the things about Jason that you may not know, Jason, because he looks um, however you think he looks, but he's also a children's author. And so if you have kids or grandkids, you can pick up his book. I think it's, it's on Amazon. Yeah, you can find it on Amazon. Search Jason Sivright, and there you go. So, uh, Jason, it's all yours. Well, good evening. How are you guys all doing tonight? Thank you so much for coming back. I know there's a lot of things that pull at your time, and so I don't take it for granted that you all came back tonight. And uh, I was so blessed by the worship. I just was wrapped up in that. So, um, I grew up a, a pastor's son, and my dad was actually, he was in youth ministry when I was growing up, and so he was in charge of this thing called NYC. Do you all know what NYC is? It's this big youth event that they do in the Nazarene church every four years, and my dad was in charge of that. So every four years, my brother and I would go, we would go as a family to NYC, and the one that sticks out in my memory was, uh, it was in San Antonio, and so the services would happen like in the arena where the Spurs played. And so it was this huge arena, you know, and these big sessions with thousands of, of teenagers. And um, they always wanted to leave the teenagers with one big last moment, like something to send them home with that they would never forget. And so for San Antonio, what they wanted to do was send them home with a picture, a visual of evangelism. And so their idea was this, and, and the intention of it was awesome. So at the very last thing they'd do at this event, they'd turn off all the lights in the arena. And they had given glow sticks to all the students that were on like the outer edges of the arena, and not to people that were sitting on the floor level. And so they told those students in the darkness, they're like, all right, if we gave you a glow stick, activate your glow sticks. And so you saw these lights on the outside of the arena, like activate. All, and so the, the lights are on the outside. And the person that's on the stage who's, who's a, a, instructing them is like, okay, what's wrong with this picture? He began to ask questions. What's wrong with this picture? Where is there not, where's the light not? Where is it not headed? Or where is it not going? And, and they saw that in the middle, you know, there was darkness. And so they said, okay. And then they asked this infamous, infamous question that will live in, in Nazarene world forever. They said, how can we get the light to the dark? Which might seem like an innocent question, but I want you to think about the mind of a teenager who has a glow stick in their hand. <laughs> and they're thinking, how is the fastest way that I can get this light into the darkness and I mean to tell you I was sitting on the floor level with my family and there was like a split second where the whole arena came to the realization of what was about to take place and then it was like what you saw one single glow stick that flew through the air and then it was like a Star Wars battlefield man I mean there was like glow sticks flying everywhere people were screaming people were running for the exits people were getting under chairs I was under a chair and my parents were like guarding me I mean it was incredible and, and when I look back on that moment and I'll always remember it because it was like a near-death experience for me it was like the worst way to die how did Jason die he died by glow stick like it would be the worst thing ever 
But I think, man, our intentions are great, right? Intentions are awesome, but our actions matter. We can have the best of intentions, but our actions matter. Our story for tonight comes out of 2 Samuel. It's 2 Samuel 6, 7, if you, or 6, 2 Samuel 6, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. You can turn there for reference, but I'm just going to kind of tell the story as we go along. You won't find too many people that will preach on this story, and you'll find out why as we go along. But basically, this is a good time in the life of God's people. It's a good time for the Israelites because they have a good king. David is their king, and he's a good king because he has a heart after God. He listens to God, and because of that, all the battles that the Israelites were losing, they're beginning to win. And so when they beat the Philistines, the Philistines are like their arch nemesis, and when they finally best the Philistines, they, in doing that, they recapture the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant for them was the presence of God. So it's like the presence of God coming back to God's people. And this is an awesome thing. And it is worthy of celebration. And so they decide they're going to have a parade. They're going to have like a gigantic praise and worship service. And so they start to plan this service. And they wanted to pull off all the stops. I mean, if it was today, it would be like getting Hillsong and Bethel and like all the big. And if you don't know those names, it would be like getting uh, Bill and Gloria Gaither, and like Guy Penrod, and Michael W. Smith, and uh, I, had to, I had to Google those names, so those aren't the right ones. All the biggest people, man, and they're getting them together, and you can see them planning this service, right? And they're like, man, you know what we used to do with the Ark of the Covenant is we would carry it on our shoulders, but that's kind of old school, and I, you know what I think we should do is carry it on a cart, like this cool, fancy new cart, man, it'll blow people away. It's worth mentioning that in the book of Exodus, when they built the Ark of the Covenant, by the instruction of God, God told them it is only to be carried on the shoulders of God's people. That's the only way it's to be carried. But, but listen, their intention was to worship. And I should define worship for you. What worship is, is it, it's an expression of reverence for God. It is an act of reverence for God. And that was their intention, and it was beautiful, so certainly it would be okay. It's also worth mentioning that this cart that they're talking about, carrying the Ark of the Covenant on, that was actually an innovation of the Philistines. That was how they had carried the Ark of the Covenant. And so not only are they carrying it incorrectly against what God told them to do, but now they're taking the innovations of the Philistines and they're bringing it into their culture, which was another no-no. You just don't do it. But their, their intentions were awesome. I mean, they really wanted to worship God, so it would be cool. And so this parade begins. And they bring the Ark of the Covenant in, and man, it is awesome. The music, the instruments, is, it's beautiful. And man, the Ark of the Covenant looks great as it's being carried on this cart, and everyone's like, yeah, look at that fancy new cart that's being carried on. This is awesome. But then something happens. See, this cart that's, that the Ark of the Covenant is up on, it's being led by oxen. And one of those oxen slip. And the cart falls over, and the Ark is in danger of falling to the ground. Another strict instruction from God was that no one was ever to touch the Ark of the Covenant 
It usually wasn't a problem because if you were carrying it correctly with the poles that were connected to it on the shoulders of God's people, no one needed to touch it. But the ark falls over and this guy named Uzzah, it's kind of a strange name, he kind of encapsulates this story. His intention is simply to keep the ark of the covenant, the presence of God from falling to the ground. He reaches out, he touches the ark. And 2 Samuel 6, 7 says this. It says, The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of, the, of God. We're beginning to see why not many people preach on this, this story. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it interesting? Did you guys catch that? It says, the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of what? His irreverent act. The description, the definition of worship is an act of reverence for God. And Uzzah dies because of his irreverent act. Their actions led them so far away from their intentions that they actually end up doing the opposite of what they wanted to do. They came to worship, and they ended up doing the very opposite of that. And I know we have to pause here, because here's the thing about this, this part of the story. We don't like this. We don't like it. This is tough parenting from God. This is rough Parenting. We, we like the stories like we talked about this morning. Stories about the prodigal son where God's love manifests itself in like mercy and the stuff that makes us feel warm and fuzzy. But we also know if you're a parent, you know that if you always parent like that, what will happen? Your kids will walk all over you. And you kids know, yeah, my parents tried to parent like that and I walk all over them. <laughs> you can't always do that. And yet, we just don't like this part of the story. It's a very interesting thing. And I'm a words guy. I was a literature major in college. And so this is the kind of stuff that really intrigues me. So the word there for God's anger, the transliteration of the word is af, this Hebrew word af. And it's A-P-H. And it is translated as God's anger, but it also is translated as nostrils. Isn't that funny? It's translated as nostrils. So sometimes when it says God's anger flared up, it really means that God is like flaring his nostrils, which is, is funny, but listen to this. Listen to how cool this is. The very first time that this word shows up in the Bible is in Genesis 2, 7. Does anyone know what that is? That's where God is holding this just newly formed human. And he says that he basically puts his mouth around the nostrils of that being and breathes life into its nostrils, into the life of us, into the nostrils, giving us life. It's the most beautiful moment of parenting that we have recorded in all of the Bible. We like that part of God's parenting. We don't like this part. But see, the point is, is that we have to accept them both. We have to know that both of it, both of these things are a part of the way that God is parenting us. So what do we do? 
What do we do with our distance? What do we do with our dissonance from God? There's even a distance for David. David is a guy with a heart after God. And this bothers him so much that he sends the ark away. He basically sends the presence of God away from God's people. He sends it to another place. Because right now he's like, I can't even, I don't even know what to do with this. But he finds out that the place that he sent the Ark of the Covenant is being blessed because of the presence of the Ark there. What the scripture does not say is that David came to a place where he was totally cool with what happened to Uzzah. He was completely cool with that. He was fine with it. He came to realize that that's what God needed. It doesn't say that. What David had to do was he had to come to the place where he could still say, even in the middle of his dissonance in the middle of his distance from God he still could say God you're good sometimes I think it's the hardest thing it's the hardest act of worship in the middle of our distance when we're going through things that we don't understand to say God you're good it's better to be in your presence and out of it. Even when I don't understand what you're doing, even when I don't like the way that this feels, I don't feel warm and fuzzy about our relationship, but I know that you are the one that breathed life into my nostrils, and so I will declare that God, you are still good. Can we do that? Can we do that as a church? It's difficult. That's when worship gets really hard, doesn't it? It's easy to worship when everything's great, man, and things are going awesome. But then when something like this happens where God has to do some tough parenting and he's sifting us, it's harder for us to say, God, you're good. And I choose to be in your presence. But this is the place that David has to get to before this story can go on. So when he gets there, He's able to give it a second chance. He goes and he gets the Ark of the Covenant and he's going to bring it into the city like he planned to do. So this time they listen to God. Isn't it great when you parent and you actually teach your kids a lesson and they get it? <laughs> That's essentially what happens. Like they, they get it and they put it into practice. They carry the Ark of the Covenant the way that it's meant to be carried. They even stop and they sacrifice from time to time. It's still a huge event. In fact, it's such a great event of worship that David gets so carried away that he is dancing. It says that he's dancing with all of his might before God. It says that he takes off his royal robes, which people think that he's naked. He actually isn't naked. He's, he just takes off the things that signify him as royalty. So he's wearing an ephod, which is the same thing that anyone would be wearing. He's dancing among the people. And see, this is the moment where their intentions and their actions come together and they truly worship. It's an expression, a true expression of reverence for God. And it's beautiful. And man, wouldn't that be an awesome end of the story? Wouldn't that be so great if I could just be like, so that's what we need to do. Let your intentions and your actions meet. That's the, the meaning of this story. Let me pray and we'll get out of here and we can all go do the next thing. But isn't it often the case with the Bible that 
there's always this last part that is kind of like, oh, man, why did they have to do that? So Michael is David's wife. And he sees David dancing in this way in front of these people. And he's ashamed and he's embarrassed. she's embarrassed at what David did. And she tells him sarcastically, it's really cool what you did. It's really distinguished for the king to take off his royal robes and, and dance like a fool in front of everyone. And you know what David says? Basically, he says, you know what? If you didn't like it, that's okay, because it wasn't for you. And you know what? Also, it wasn't for anyone that was watching. I was doing it for the Lord. See, David gets it. He gets it. He understands where they went wrong before. He says, now, when I worship, I want it to be a real, genuine, intentional act of reverence for God. And then he says something very interesting. And I think it's very poignant for the church. Those people that were watching, these were basically regular people. Like, regular slave people, just regular people like we would be. They weren't royalty. And the people that were seeing David dance like this, that Michael said, they, they, would be, they would think that the king was ridiculous at dancing this way. What David says is they will honor me even more because of what they saw me do. See, he gets it. He understands that they will remember him doing this honest and genuine act of worship. That's what will stand out to them. That's what they'll remember. That's what they will honor him for. I work with young people. I'm the young adult pastor at my church and the worship arts pastor. And I work with millennials. And I know that's like a fearful word for everyone when we even say millennials. But everyone wants to know, like, how do we reach? How do we reach you guys? Like, it's crazy. Like, everyone wants to know, what do we do as the church to reach millennials? It's like the million-dollar question that if you can answer, you'll be like the greatest pastor in the history of the world. We, we, we gear you know, our programs for them. We gear our services for them. We do all these things to get them to come and maybe every once in a while put something in the offering plate. Maybe, just, in case, you know, if you want to. And you know what I hear from them? You know what they want? They want you to be real. That's what they want. I mean, the programming is cool, and the services are great if they're geared towards them, but really what they're after, they just want our intentions and our actions to match. They just want a genuine act of reverence for God. If you show them that, that will be what draws them in. That will be what draws people in. I was in college. I was a senior in college. And uh, I went to Mount Vernon Nazarene University. And my senior year, I would sit right in the front row at chapel because I'd missed so many chapels the first three years that I was trying to make up for it by sitting in the front row <laughs> my senior year. Um, and I had the chapel fines to prove that that was the case. But I would sit in the very front row, and um, this one chapel, this this older guy came up and sat right next to me. And I didn't know who this guy was. He was a big guy, like every bit of 6'5", and every bit of like 250. And maybe in his like 50s or something. And so he's just sitting next to me. And it's like, okay, that's cool, you know. And, and then we start to, the, the music. And this guy is 
worshiping, man. I mean, he is into it. And at one point during the music, he gets down on the ground and he lays face down on the ground. And at first I was like, medic, somebody, is there a doctor, a doctor in the house? But then I could see that like he was still worshiping there. And, and so I'm like, wow, I've never, I've never, I've never seen that before. And so we're worshiping, and, and the music comes to an end, and, and this guy's getting up, so I kind of have to help him up, you know? <laughs> and then it came time for the sermon, and this guy walks up on the stage. He was there to give the sermon that day. And I'll tell you what. I remember that he was a good speaker. I, I remember that he, he was great. I mean, I, but I don't remember anything that he said. I don't remember the point of his sermon, but I remember that. I remember that genuine act of worship. So this leaves us with choices, doesn't it? What kind of people, what kind of place do we want to be? Do we want to be a place where our intentions and our actions where we, our actions lead us so far away from our intentions that God has to do some hard parenting? Or do we want our intentions and our actions to match? And when people come into this place, they don't find us trying to be the coolest church. They don't, try, they don't find us trying to be the best in this or that. But you know what they would walk out of this place thinking? Man, those people genuinely worship God. Those people really worship God. An intentional act, an intentional expression of reverence for God. He's worthy of that, is he not? Let's bow our heads. Father God, we are so thankful for Oh, man, just the ability to continue to try to do this the right way. I think about my experience of being a worship leader for so long and how my intentions have been so far away from where you want it to be. And then sometimes when my intentions are correct and my actions don't follow God, and yet you continue to parent, you continue to love, and even when that feels hard and there's some sifting that needs to go on we know that it's all based out of love for us and we have those moments lord of true and honest worship and so lord i, I think right now what i feel just pressing upon my heart is for us to just sit for a moment in silence just to sit in your goodness just to take in your holiness, Lord, I, what keeps on coming back to me is that it's just better to be in your presence than not in your presence. And someone just needs to feel that tonight. Someone's going through, somebody needs to be reminded that you are still good, that your intentions towards us, they are always good. So we're just gonna sit for a moment in the silence and just take in his goodness and maybe bring before him our intentions.
even the intentions that we came in tonight with. And just give those to him. In an effort to match up our actions with those intentions. Father God, we came here to be with you. And everything tries to pull us away from that, Lord, but I pray in these closing moments of this service that we would just center ourselves around that and that our actions would follow those intentions and we would feel your presence. So let's just be in his his presence for just a minute of silence. Would you guys stand with me?